Okay, so we're in Acts chapter uh, 5. We'll polish off this chapter and we'll get into chapter 6. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we look to your holy word. Uh, I mean, it's, here it is, Labor Day weekend. There's a thousand and one things we can be doing. We're here. We want you to speak to us. We want you to teach us. We want to give us teachable hearts. Give us ears that are attentive to listen. And Lord, uh, don't let this opportunity go by, but that you uh, bless us, thrill us, fill us, whatever it is that you have for us here this morning. Chal- word of challenge, word of rebuke. Uh, you're the one who gets to say that. We, uh, we just want to receive what you want us to receive. So bless this time in your holy word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 31, we, we looked at last week, and when they had prayed, this is after they were threatened, right? They, they came back. This is just threatening at this point. That's what the opposition looks like. It'll get worse. Some of you people, you know the story. But here they're just threatened. And they basically said, uh, yeah, no way, Jose. We're going to do what God says. We're not going to do what you say. We talk much about that. When God's leading you in a direction, somebody else is leading you in a different, even if they're an authority figure over your life, feel free to rebel at that point. Obey God, job one, okay? Uh, We're going to see a situation here this morning where a wife should have rebelled against her. Yeah, you heard me right. Uh, uh, it's, this is kind of a not typical, but it's in the word and we're going to cover it. This is a, a, a wife should have rebelled against her husband, didn't, and it cost her her life. And we'll look at that. Here, they're, they're celebrating the fact that they were persecuted and then they pray. The place is shaken. They're filled with the Holy Ghost again. Free refills. We talked about that much last week. Uh, and then they spoke the word of God with boldness. So the Spirit of God comes on them, this time not to speak in other languages, this time to speak the word of God boldly. Uh, and again, uh, so I said last week, I'm not against tongues, I speak in tongues. I think that's a wonderful gift. Not everyone has it, and you can't prove Scripture everyone has it. You also can't prove that when the Spirit of God comes on you, it always results in the speaking of tongues. I know a lot of people who just, that's not their... That's not true of them, and they are spirit-filled. Um, I was challenged with that last week. I, I, I stand by my word. I, I, I believe that we're all praying for the filling of the Spirit. Will we all speak in tongues? I'm going to suggest that's not the case. It's never been... and not. I don't want to be that ex- experiential guy, because the people... So someone prays to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them, and they speak in tongues, and that becomes the norm, and how come you didn't receive what I received? And, that, and I don't want to do it in reverse and say, well, we don't see that uh, throughout, so that our experience becomes the norm, because we don't do it by experience. We do it by what the Word of God says. But I don't see that any way you can prove, and I've heard, I've had all the debates you've had, I, I don't see anyone can prove that every time the Spirit of God comes on somebody, it results in speaking in tongues. Again, I'm, I'm not against that. I am 
pro-tongues if you want to. We, we're not, we're Calvary Chapel. We don't believe in any of the gifts of past. I know some do. We don't. And when we're in places like 1 Corinthians, you know, uh, chapters 12, chapters 14, we're in places like Romans chapter 12, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and we're, not, we're not shy to talk about them. Uh, here, I just want you, again, just by way of just refreshing, Spirit of God comes, and it comes uh, on them. The Spirit of God comes on them, I think I said it. I mean, he comes on them to embolden them to preach the word of God. Uh, and the multitude of them believe were of one heart and of one soul. We talked about this often. The unity of the believers. Now, it looks like something here. They're of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as, as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here they give us one example of a certain person where that happened. Now, the multitude, the, the unity is expressing itself in, it's a family. It's a family. I don't know if you have family who's like, like you have parents, right? And you get siblings. And some of the siblings are poor and some of the siblings are rich. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be like all, they all had the same amount? Because uh, if they're in the same family, you see what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not, when, when we were all little kids, I'm talking about, right? I wasn't wealthier or poorer than any of my brothers. We all had access to the same refrigerator, the same uh, roof over our head, uh, the same parents giving us the same blessings. That's the way a family operates. And the church of God is a family. So Adam, what are you calling for? A, a, we got to become a, a commune? Some, some think so. I wouldn't happen to be one of them. Some churches think so, but I think they missed the boat on this. Here, we're not talking about greeds. We're talking about needs, right? And if there's needy among us, well, guess what? Let's fix that. Now, I, I want to make a distinction between needs and greeds. We're going to go around. We're going to figure out where everyone goes on vacation, right? Uh, you're in a fun town, uh, you're at uh, Santa's Village, you go to the south of France, Ooh, uh, that's great. And so we're going to get a kind of a, and we're going to all pool our resources and get everyone on the same vacation plan because we, because we, it, it ain't right that some people, you know, uh, get a chance to go to Thailand and some of us, you know, our, our uh, big thing is like, you know, lunch at McDonald's uh, once a month. I, I think there should be some more, you know, kind of equity there, don't you think so? No, I, I, you don't think so. Why is that? We understand something in America. Communism doesn't work. It's failed everywhere it's been tried, except they're still trying it in Harvard and Berkeley and the DNC. But I, oh, did I say that? Oh, my goodness. I, I just uh, got to read. It, it, it doesn't work. This isn't communism. This is like, you need, oh, you have a need here. Well, let me see what I can do to help it. I'll give you an example just yesterday. You know, it was a need. Move a family. People showed up. Some people had muscles. 
Some people had trucks. Some people had, you know, and there was different abilities, but we got the job done because there was a need. Now, that's all I'm talking about. And I think that's very, very, very important. It tells us something about who we are and how we feel about each other. We, we, we meet needs. And here's the thing. So uh, the people had, uh, I, listen, whatever I have is yours. You know, come live in my house, drive my car, eat my food, whatever. I just, I, I'm, 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 it's not all about me. It's about everybody else. And to the point where when everything's about the Lord, because, you know, here's the thing. I, I think, like, sometimes, I think teach, uh, churches teach that, like, the first 10% of your money is God's. I don't teach that. I think 100% of your money is God's. And your health and your time and your abilities, is it, is it all, Lord, I'm here. here. Here's what, I'm all in. And what does that look like? 100% of your wealth being God's. Well, I think that I would, I give. And, you know, again, a lot of people teach tithe. That's great. It's easy math for me. So that's, but we started there. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm just trying to like, I want to be like super honest and transparent. I don't want to be like self-glossing. And, but I want to I share how I feel about this. Because the Bible says in the New Testament, is man, Purpose in his heart, so let him give. So we purpose like 10% is a good place. And back when we started giving, that was the thing that was taught, that was I first heard that I was challenged. And you know there's all kinds of Bible verses. And that's what, you know, people, so I like, all right, so we're in. And so that's how we, that's how we started. And then since then we've taken on other things because that's kind of how it goes, right? Uh, we were very, very, very poor, poorer than you are. Because I hear this. Oh, I don't have enough money to give. You are, you're missing too many verses. There's a poor widow, and she didn't give 10%. She gave 100%. And Jesus was like, no, no, honey. No, no, you take your two mites. You're, you need them more than we need them. No, he was really excited about her faith. If you have less than two mites, uh, you know, don't, don't think you're the exception. Because, listen, I know a lot of people are poor, they're struggling, and this is the reason. I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you how I feel. If you've heard this before, bear with me. I haven't said this in a long time. And there's people coming and people going, so there's other people who haven't heard this. Okay, I got two sons, right? I give the oldest one, I give him 20 bucks. They go to the store and get me bread and milk. You've done that. So the store's right in the neighborhood. He walks to the store and he comes back. Where's my bread and milk? He's got gum. He's got candy, he's got soda, he's got potato chips, he's got Twinkies, he's got, dude, uh, bread, milk, oh, you didn't give me enough. <laughs> so I give him another 20, because I'm not very smart. So give me some bread and milk. Well, he comes back with more, now he's got gumdrops and gummy bears and chewing gum and just gum galore and he's all got, and he's got a, he bought himself a pizza and he's got, you know, and he's got some more soda and he's like, where's my bread? Where's my milk? You, you didn't give me enough. Ay, 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 this is the last 20. You go, go to the store, get me bread, get me milk. Get it done. Off the store he goes. Now he comes back. Now he's got beer, and now he's got cigarettes. 
And I'm supposed, wait a while, how did you even get, you're not a kid, how did you get bear and cigarette? What's going on here anyway? And he's like, y- 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 now look it, if, if, if you gave your child some, some money, if I gave my child some money, he came back with bread and milk and a soda, is that okay? It is to me. I mean, unless you're like one of these nutrition Nazis, and I get it, I get it, that's fine. But I'm like, you know, the workman is worthy of his high. He got a soda. I'm good with that. I got my bread and my milk, and I don't begrudge him a soda. But if I don't get my bread and milk, and I'm out 60 bucks, 60 bucks, and I still don't have my bread and I still don't have my milk. So I go to my other son. I said, hey, give me some bread and milk. Here's 20 bucks. He comes, he got, he got, I get bread, I get milk. Oh, he's drinking a soda. I don't care about that. But I get... Now, I got an errand to run, and I got two sons. Who am I giving the money to? I mean, figure it out, guys. And and I think sometimes the Lord's not blessing you with anything because you won't do what he's asked you to do. And I really think that. Because all I can tell you is our own example. We... So I was working at a woolen mill, and I was making, I think, $4 or $5 an hour. I don't remember. It was $4, I think, back when minimum wage was like $4. And it was back-breaking work. And then they slowed down to four days a week, and they slowed down to three days a week. And after taxes, I took home $80. This is 1981, 1982. I just got out of the Marine Corps. I don't care buying power. $80 doesn't buy you anything. It didn't buy you anything then. It doesn't buy you anything now. I get it. I know. And we were like really, really struggling, okay? And I just, we gave. First eight bucks is God's. Because at the time I was tither guy. And I had committed in my mind that we're going to tithe. When you only have 80 bucks, eight comes pretty dry. But I was like, this is how I think we should do. And so don't tell me a poverty story because I'm not, I'm not hearing it. I'm not, I'm not going to receive it. I'm not going to... Uh, uh, what I think is like everything I have is God's and like 10%, psh, that's easy peasy. And I think then God will bless. I think there's people who would be here and say, this is how it works. I gave and God gave. I spooned it in, he spooned it back out. And he's got a bigger spoon. I, I, just, I, I, I gave and now he, he's blessing me. I think there's a lot of people who would tell that story here if they were given the opportunity to tell it. I see some of you nodding and saying, yeah, that's the way it is. God, he knows how to bless. He's a, he's a loving heavenly father. That's, I, really, I really, really believe that in my heart of hearts. I don't know who gives. I'm not, if you think, oh, yeah, he's on my case. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I don't want to know. Uh, I do understand some things. If we came in and first and we started passing the hat, like most churches do, passing the collection plate. It's not the hat. I get it and people had a chance to worship that way, would, would do better financially. I'm not interested in... The, it's, a, it's a tough needle to thread, because i got to teach this. I mean, this is what's on, on, right? But I don't want uh, you given such a way that it becomes like blowing a trumpet and, and everyone knows. So I'm trying to like balance here, share my personal testimony, but not trying to... Again, look at me, I'm so awesome. Because I don't, I don't think that way, I don't feel that way. And I, I, my, my testimony is God's good, God knows how to bless. And if you didn't get, come away with that, I think you missed the story, or I didn't tell it right, one of them, okay? Either way. So I, I think that's, the, so, and what are you giving the money to the church for? Because that's what they did, they gave it, and the apostles, they laid it at their feet. I think that's a very important part of it all. 
Did the congregation vote on it? They would know nothing about congregational voting. They would know nothing about business meetings because the apostles were in tune with what was going on. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they say, the need is here, the need is here, and the need is here. I think some people give with strings attached, and I don't think it's always a good thing. Um, we wanted to, before we went to, before we were in church here, we were at church at Calvary Chapel in Bangor, and I was an elder on that board. Before I was elder there, I was, we went to a, a non-denominational church in Corinna, and I was an elder there as well. And so somebody would give money, but it had strings attached. This is the um, Jack Jackson Memorial Fund. When Jack died, his widow would give a big sum of money. That was very often. And then we'd had a, and she'd kind of like hold it over our heads, like, well, we got to buy something that Jack would have wanted. Uh, choir, new choir robes. Um, we don't have a choir. No, he loved the choir. You know, and so, well, we got to do choir. And we always dealing with it. Well, it's ridiculous. We don't have a choir. We don't need new robes for a choir that doesn't exist. Or I'm just giving you a stupid example. But there was a lot of like that and stuff. I think, look, just give. Just give. Let, let, we know what we need to do here. We're, we're prayerful about it and stuff like that. You say, well, I want my money to go to this person here who's hurting at this time. Do that. <laughs> who's stopping you? I, that, that's wonderful. It's not tax deductible you give, but that's fine. That's fine. And I'm not even against like earmarking something like, you know, we really, I see that there's a need here. Uh, we're, you know, we're building a new port. Well, it's all built now, but, can, you know, his. And you give into, I'm not even like against that, but I'm saying, here's the thing, don't hold us hostage, because we don't, we don't need to be, like, we don't need new choir robes, okay? <laughs> Noah's back there going, uh, <laughs> big blue gown with gold notes on it, it'd be beautiful, you'll love it. No, and it right? No, nobody wants, so don't, don't do that, just lay it at the apostles' feet, they'll, they'll get it there. But we don't want people to lack. If you have a need, don't, you don't have to go it alone. I don't care if it's a financial need. I don't care if it's an a, 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 um, emotional or whatever. You know, we're here to help. That's what family's all about. And I, 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 it bothers me that there's people lacking. It shouldn't be that way. They laid them down at the apostles' feet, distribution made every man according as he had need. Not greed, need. Okay, and we be able to tell the difference. People come here and they ask for money sometimes. You think... You want your money given out to people? You say, well, who's the people? What's the need? Ah, isn't that, I mean, you don't want, is somebody like, you know, a, a young couple, he dies, there's no insurance, she's all of a sudden left with a little child, something like that. You want some money to be filtered to that? Yeah, I think like most of you say, yeah, I think. Now, some guy, he wouldn't work. He, he never worked a day in his life. They're hiring everywhere for Good wages, and he comes and he will ask for your hard-earned money that you, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and so it's a, the needs are evaluated because not every need is legit. I've said before, listen, I've given the money on the guy at the end of the on-ramp, the off-ramp. I've given to that guy before. Not now. I mean, there's so much work around. We had, I think it was four or five quarters in a row where there were more job 
vacancies than job seekers. If you can't find a job in this economy, guess what? You're not really trying very hard. And maybe it isn't the best job in the whole wide world. Maybe you have to make do with minimum wage for a little while. And while you're doing that, you look for something else. Uh, we, we get that. We all do that, okay? But me handing a hard-earned $20, and I got $20, nothing to me, but I'm just thinking, I don't want you to go and spend that money on beer and cigarettes or something worse and, and not work for a, a honest, you know, that's, that's the way that we're, we determine, okay? And it gives us an example, Joseph, who is uh, by the apostles, was surnamed Barnabas, and here the interpretation is son of consolation. He's someone who builds up, consoles, he's uh, 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 encouragement is the word. That's what I was trying to think of. He's an encourager. So when I say like, yeah, nice going, Barnabas, I'm saying that wasn't very encouraging, okay, when I say it in that sarcastic tone. Some of you guys don't get that. Uh, he's a Levite. He's the country of Cyprus. He had, he had land. He sold it and brought the money and laid at the apostles' feet. It's a good example. Now a bad example. And I, I don't like to talk about this, but we have to. It's on next, and we don't edit the Word of God. We just teach the Word of God. Uh, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. So we're introduced to Ananias and Sapphira. Then the names mean something. They all mean something. Ananias means uh, God, God is gracious. He is in this man's life. They're, they're wealthy. We love Ananias and Sapphira to come to our church, especially if they're givers, right? We love this. Uh, not so much. Sapphire, what does that mean? Sapphire. <laughs> you, you figure it out. She's named after Jewel. Yeah, we do that still. Pearl, Ruby, Opal. We had a daughter. We were going to name her Aquamarine. Just, I like the. We still do that, right? Their name means Sapphire. Was she like beautiful like a Sapphire? I don't know. That's all we got. They kept back part of the price, his wife being privy to it, and they brought a certain part and laid at the apostles' feet. Now this, I want you to understand something. We're going to find out this is not a problem in giving part only. How many of you this week gave 100% of your check that you earned? None. We don't do that, and, and that's fine. How many of you sold a field this week and brought, back, and brought in the whole thing? Well, no, we don't, we're not asking you to do that. If somebody felt like, you know, I really want to uh, you know, bless God with, I got this land here, or I got a windfall. I got $50,000 just fell right out of heaven onto my lap. I got this great aunt Edna, who I didn't even know, and apparently I was her favorite niece or something, she died, and here I got $50,000. I like to bless the church. You could do that with $5, you know, or 50 or whatever you determined. I'm not suggesting anything. And it's like, you know, we would do, we'd be gracious. We'd say, oh, thank you very much. I mean, if, if I knew about it, I'd say that, but I don't know about it because I don't want to know about it because I have people who skillfully keep me out of that loop so that I get a chance to say anything. Because if I know that you're a big giver and you don't like something I say, I'm worried about, well, I better not say that because he's going to go and take that big tithe check with him. And I, so I don't ever have that. Well, I don't think I'd do that, by the way. But now we'll never know because I don't know who gives and I don't want to know who gives. But if I found out you gave, you got this $50,000 windfall and you gave $1,000, I would be very gracious. I would say, thank you very much. Hey, praise the Lord. That's great. Wouldn't you expect me to be? But if you got $50,000 and you said, oh, my great aunt Edna just died and uh, she gave us a thousand bucks. Here, I've given all to the Lord. We have a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. And it's very, very, very bad. 
say, listen, does the people around us hate hypocrisy? Yes. Do they see it in the church? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. And they are really turned off by it. So am I. I hate hypocrisy in my own life, and I, I hate it in somebody else. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I, I mean, listen, I'm going to take your face value. You can see the Holy Spirit strikes these people down. The, Peter doesn't. I don't have the power. Don't want the power. Don't have, I, don't, I'm not, I don't have some like supernatural insight, and I know where you're pulling my leg or not. Sometimes I do. I mean, because I'd like to think I'm insightful, but I don't have the gift of, this guy's lying to me. Uh, I don't. Um, and I don't, like I say, I'll take you at face value. So if you come in, you're, you're, you're on Edna, you say, well, she gave me $1,000, here it is. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. I, I don't know. Why are they like this? Why, are they, why can't they just, like, they sold the land for 50,000 shekels, let's say. And they said, uh, we sold it for 25000 here. Why couldn't they just say we sold it for 50000 Here's 25000 I don't think that's a problem there. I don't think it's a problem with Peter. I don't think it's a problem with the Holy Spirit. We're out front. We're honest. Why do we always try to posture and look more spiritual than we actually are? That's called hypocrisy. Please. It's, 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 we, can't. we care about what people think about us because we care about our our gospel presentation, true or false? True. I, I want to be a good testimony, don't you, brother? You say, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. So we care what people think about us. Will people call you a hypocrite? We, whether you are or not, they will. Trust me on that, okay? I've heard it, all right? It's, it's a, it's a, so what do you do? I don't know. I guess it, what it is is what it is. What happens is what happens. How, how th those type of things, uh, when people name call and stuff like that, but don't give them the ammunition. Don't give them the, uh, the, the reasonableness. God hates this, as he's going to demonstrate. People hate it. We hate it. Jesus hates it. He says, you guys, you're like, you're like these hypocrites. You're like, you, you act like you're so super spiritual, but all that is is posturing, and all you do is trying to act like super spiritual, and you're not super spiritual. And he denounces that over and over. We can go and we can look at some of the most strident, vitrupative, harsh words that Jesus says in the whole New Testament is against hypocrisy. He's not a fan. And here we are, trying to be open and honest and trying to be real and trying to be... We want to show people spirituality, but we don't want, but at the end of it, we want people to praise God. We don't want them to praise us. We want to be the son of consolation. We want to encourage people, but we don't want people to think much of us. It's, it's, you say, Adam, that's a tough needle to thread. I know. I know. But I think if your heart is pure, see, this, in America right now, especially with the social media and stuff like that, they went to this value, sig isn't a value signaling. What's it called, signaling? Virtue signaling. I, listen, I'm, I'm on board about this. I, 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 I know you can be whatever gender you want. I'm, 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 and, we, and usually the, this, this, it, it goes towards the liberal. The, I, I'm not a judgmental person. Everything's okay. We have the rainbow flag outside our church. All inclusive, everybody's welcome. By the way, is that true? Everyone, all inclusive, everyone's welcome? Yeah, well, everyone's welcome here. 
We're we, sinners of all strife. We don't care who, what kind of sinner you are. Uh, and the word is repent to everybody equally. I mean, we're, we're, we're no respecter of persons. I mean, uh, so that we're open, and, but we're not that affirming, are we? Not so much. I'm not, I don't want to affirm you and your sin. I love you too much for that. I want to say, hey, your sin's okay. Don't worry. God's okay with it. And he's not. You know, people are living together, right? I've always spoken against this. I mean, I was spoken against, well, in, in, in God's eyes, we're married. God's eyes? God's eyes. They're a flame of fire, God's eyes. You, didn't you read uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1? He, he doesn't like sin. He's, 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 he judges the world uh, uh, because of sin. Listen, you know how God feels about sin? Have you just looked at the cross? That's God's statement. This is how I feel about sin. So that's his only son there. I know. Dying in your place. He doesn't like sin. He does not. And we want to reflect that. We want to call people to repentance. Do we want to be super judgmental? No. Do we want to show everyone how spiritual we are when we're not really all that much at all? No, because that's another sin too. We're introducing hypocrisy and it's horrible. It's that little leaven that leavens the whole lump. And God is like super serious about sin. Don't Okay, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus introduces the concept of the church. You guys know that, right? And in chapter 18, the first commandment for the church as a group, this is how you deal with sin. He's saying, not really. You'll look it up. Introduce the concept of the church, 16, 18, his first commandment of the church. This is how you deal with sin. What's how you deal with sin? Well, you go to you talk to that one. Listen, sister, this isn't reasonable. Listen, brother, this is crazy. You're, you're harming yourself. Don't you understand where? And now he doesn't hear you. So you take another brother. You go to him. We do this? Yep. 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 You, churches are full of people. Oh, we wouldn't do that. They'd leave. They'd get all offended and leave. <laughs> this is a door. <laughs> I, I can't. No, wh so what am I got? I got to be disobedient to God so you don't leave. And by the way, very often when we've done this, the person does leave. Now, I'm. I want to walk this back just a little bit. Everyone who left is because we confronted sin. No, no, no. Don't you extrapolate. Don't do that. I'm saying, and Tom's nodding his head, we deal with sin. Why? I love you. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. It's killing you. It's, it's no good. You've you got to put sin away. You're in that bondage still. You think, I'm free to do whatever I want. Yeah, you're free to sin. That's, it's horrible, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's binding you. And we love you enough to say, hey, you have to repent from that. And by the way, the answer is repent. How many times? Until you stop doing it. Until you don't need to anymore. Seventy times seven. Hey, we're here to forgive every time. I'm not your judge. I'm your brother who loves you. And, just, and, and I, I want you to be done with sin. And we can't just be okay with it. Because the Holy Spirit of God is not okay with it. So they, had, they sold the possession. They kept back part of the price, his wife being pro privy to it, and also bought a, a, a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Again, it's not a problem that they only laid a part. Now, wives, feel free, in this instance only, to not obey your husband when he's trying to get you to sin. He is saying to his wife, hey, hey, lie, help me lie, and, and let's, let's look like we're super spiritual, like, like uh, oh, uh, son of encouragement boy here, Barnabas. And she just said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> what are you thinking? That's crazy talk. And there, 
God says it's not good for the man to be alone, that proves it. Has my wife pulled me back from the brink of disastrous choices before? Maybe, maybe not this disastrous, but yes, she helps me be a better person. She helps me focus on what the Lord wants because I, I'm like everybody else. And hopefully, you know, the two that are walking together, if one stumbles, the other's there to lift him up. And marriage is a wonderful thing. Sometimes it would be her. More often it would be me and y'all saying, yeah, we, we can picture that. Yeah. But sometimes it's her and I'm the one who says, honey, no, that's not right. What you're saying, God in heaven still cares about us. You, there's no place for depression now and I, I'm the one to lift her up sometimes. Sometimes she has to correct me. Susan's a picture of submission. She is not a mindless ninny who I got to tell, okay, breathe. She's, she has some stuff going on with the Lord, but she understands that if God's leading me, God's leading us. She gets that. She's not a, a handful. She's not a rebel. Uh, and like I say, sometimes the answer is no. I love you. I respect you. You're my husband. No. This is crazy. We're not going to do it. That's, that, there's no way God's going to bless that. Ladies, feel free to rebel against ungodliness, but be very careful because that can turn into, and I've heard this before, you know, I tell you one story about a guy who's telling his wife, no, don't go on this crazy trip. Well, you better pray about it a little more. Uh, you better obey your husband, but that's a story for another time. Let's just... You get it, and if you're going to use one to try to cover the other, God knows. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? He's lying to the Holy Ghost. Satan has filled his heart. Did Satan possess him? It doesn't say that. Satan's filled his heart. Is, is Ananias a true believer? I think he is. Has he, was he spirit-filled on the day of Pentecost? Did he come out? We don't know. Is he the real deal? I think he is. I mean, listen, he, he sold land and he gave it to the, I mean, think of what has happened in the positive. I think this man's the real deal. I think, though, sometimes even Christians will get to such a place where we'll yield control of ourselves to Satan in such and such a way. And that is tragic and that is sad because he has no part in us. He, he doesn't control us. God's given us the, the power to tread on snakes and scorpions. Be bold with Satan. No way, no how. That ain't happening. The Word of God says this, and I'm obeying God. And he should have just said, uh, wait, I, I, get, I give part and tell him it's more? Well, that would be hypocritical. Why would I do that? I don't care these people think I'm more spiritual than I actually am. I, I just want to be authentic. And he would say, no way, Jose, that ain't happening. And now we read a different story if that's the case. But no, Satan has filled his life. Do we see believers who Satan's calling the shots? Yeah, too often. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not your judge. I'm your brother. And I want, I want you to yield to God. Yield control of your life to the Holy Spirit of God. Don't yield to Satan. What happens? Death. Satan brings death. There's a death principle in sin. Always, always. Not that you're always going to die uh, physically every time that you sin. I'd have been dead a long, long time ago. But it doesn't. So um, I'm sinning in my marriage. And that brings death to our marriage? Yeah, of course. And I'm sinning against my friends. That thing brings death to our relationship? Yeah, of course. I'm sinning with my finances. That bring financial death? Yeah. It, you don't understand. Uh, I, I say it again. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. The wages of sin is death. Here, 
It's obvious, and it, physical, and that's it. And now he says this, and I want you to understand this. Take this in. While it remained, was it not thine own? Hey, you had it. You know where you sell it. You could have done whatever you wanted with it. After it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Didn't you have the authority to do whatever you wanted with the money? He's not rebuking him because he only gave part. He's rebuking him because he lied. Now, I want you to understand it because it's really important. Why did you conceive this thing in thy heart? That was not lied unto men, but unto God. Is that a problem? The Spirit of God thinks so. And I, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. I don't think I'm going to join that church. People are falling down dead, man. I, I, hey, 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 hey. Uh, this is to, to account. Does this happen today? Does this happen today? Uh, how about where it says in uh, the Corinthian letter, people are taking the Lord's table unworthily in an unworthy manner, and some of you are sick and some of you sleep? Don't do this. Somebody's sick. They got a runny nose. They just must have sinned a little bit. Somebody's got real sickness. This, this is, is going to be bad. And they must have really super sinned. Stop that. Okay? Just don't, don't be somebody's judge. Think of all you know about Scripture. Was this man born blind because he sinned because his parents sinned? Those are the only options in their mind. Jesus said neither. Because remember, there's always more options than you're giving God. He's, he's blind so that God's glory can be on display for everybody. He, his blindness is to the glory of God. So don't be this person here. They're going to come in with a limp. Oh, I wonder how they sinned this week. Stop it. That's, get that right out of your mind. Uh, so Ananias hear, heard these words. He fell down. He gave up the ghost. Great fear. We don't want this to happen around here because people won't come. They'll think, man, that church is like people have fallen down dead. After, and I'm worse than this guy I ever thought about being. I, hey, hey, was worse and is worse. We all come and we all have our sins and we all have our, our stuff. And God understands what we're working through. And God understands, what, and God understands blatant hypocrisy too. We can, you, we can posture and lie to one another. We can't lie to God. He sees right through it. And, Ananias, how come you didn't figure this out? And an all-knowing God would know. How, how come you didn't think this all the way through? The young men arose, wound him, and carried him, and buried him. Jewish burial, same day. Am I saying something about the way we should handle it? No. No. We have people in, who do these arts, and they present you, and they put you in a casket, or there's cremation. By the way, I don't prefer either one. People ask me for that time to time. You make your own, you know what I mean? I don't, we do it different now and we can uh, because this day, look, uh, they don't embalm or anything. People die, it's unpleasant. Jews still get quickly buried people. It's just the way it is. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. Um, so I saw this. It, it's called the AD Chronicles or something like this. And it's, uh, who's that lady? I said her name before. I'm not fond of her. She does a lot of, like, touched by an angel stuff. Oh, Roma Downey. That is a girl, right? A woman, Roma. Yeah, i never seen her or him. I don't even know. 
They just want to, uh, I was just looking at it this morning on YouTube, this scene, and uh, Peter's like begging her, you've got to tell the truth, you've got to, you know, like, you know, and, and she's like, you know, and, and it's really nasty because she starts bleeding from her nose, she starts bleeding from her eyes, and she kind of twitches and tips over and stuff. It's just nasty scene stuff. And he's like, you know, uh, she's like, hey, we did, we gave a great deal, and we uh, did all this, and we, and she, you know, she's kind of like, and you know, trying to justify her position, stuff like this. And, and Peter's, his whole thing was like, you didn't invest in what God is doing. And you didn't, you're not all in. And I'm thinking like, uh, he's such a knucklehead. Who reads that and comes away with that idea? And I understand poetic license in, in, in film. You've got you to make it look like something. But I, I think like, just make it look like scripture. It's exciting enough, I, I tell you. Tell me, what, and he, why is he doing this? He wants to kill her, obviously, right? No, no. He's given her a chance to repent, to come clean. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we actually sold 50,000 shekels. I say 50,000, we don't know. I, we actually sold 50,000 shekels. And here's the deal. He said, uh, just tell him we sold over 25 so we could look. And I didn't, wasn't really on board with that. I kind of really feel bad. Pete, I don't want to lie to you, but listen, we only, he's given her a chance to come clean. This is a wonderful thing. Anytime I give you the opportunity to repent and we talk about something, and Spirit of God, He's not outing you at this point. Your sin, your sin will find you out. We know that. We talk about that. And I could give you amazing stories, but you could give me amazing stories of how, like, in a, the chance in a million came up. God's always going to make sure. You remember we were talking about the Amalekites, right? Uh, hey, go kill all the Amalekites. They're sheep, they're lies, everything. Uh, oh, I've done the Lord's. What's this lowing? of the cattle. What's this bleeding of the sheep? There's always going to be bleeding of sheep and lowing of cattle. Sin will never be quiet. Ever. Uh, but I say, the Spirit of God saying this and this and this, the Word of God says, you say, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, man. Lord, th- thanks. Thanks for convicting me. I'm, uh, what was I thinking? Be mercifully. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want to overcome the sin. You're doing the will of God. It glorifies God. He loves that. And when you double down, well, it ain't quite so sinful. Oh, please, I beg you, reconsider. Oh, no, we sold it for so much, Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Really? The feet of them which have buried thy husband at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men carried, came in and found her dead and buried her forth and buried her by a husband. Great. Make it sure a grave. It's great. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Now you're saying, see, now nobody wants to go to that church anymore. It's the only one in town, but people are dropping dead. I don't think I want to go to that church and... And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch, that one accord again. How many times have we seen that? The same heart. Why? Because they're family. This is the most dysfunctional family I've been around. Families are dysfunctional. You've got brothers and sisters, right? You've got a mom and dad. I, I agree, it's dysfunctional. It's, if we're all perfect, it would be a perfect family. None of us are. They were all with one accord in Solomon's port, and the rest durst no man 
joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. Again, no one's going to join that church. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Wait, has it grown or not? Oh, it's grown by multitudes. Because there's some people saying, oh, I want to maintain my hypocrisy. I ain't joining up. But there's more of the people saying whose God's heart is touched, saying, that's for real. What's going on there is real. What's going on there is really what God's doing. And I want to be part of that. Uh, when we discipline somebody, it's because we love somebody. And if they go, they go. Uh, if people see that, we're really zealous about being holy, being pure, being real, being... I think, is it, listen, you want a hypocritical church, you want a pure church. I mean, you judge for yourself. But I want to be part of something that's for real, where people really love the Lord, where they're all in, where they're like total, and they're not posturing. They're not, you don't go to that like high church where like I have to act a certain way and be a certain, and, and no, can't, look at, we're family. Can't we just be real? Can't we just love people warts and all and kind of take them at like, I think that's what people want. I think that's what the Spirit of God wants, just reality. No falsehood, no posturing. Enough said, Fred? Okay, good. Guy's going to come and lead us out here in worship. Let's stand. And we will pray. Lord, I, I, Father, I, I think we all want to be real. I think we all want to be authentic. And I think we all want to also be done with sin, let it have no control over our lives. I think we hate hypocrisy all. I know you hate hypocrisy, and you've told us that here this morning in no uncertain terms. Help us, Lord. We don't want to be hypocrites. We, don't, we want to be the real deal. We want to be all in, people who love you with their whole lives. Help us, Lord. Uh, light a fire in us. Light a fire in our hearts. If there's something we love more than you, challenge us with that, Lord. We don't want there to be any idols in our lives. We want you to be first and foremost. What people think about us is a lot less important, Lord, than what you think about us. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.